So I asked Isaac from Calvary Chapel, I'm sorry, Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel, to come and uh, teach. He's the uh, youth pastor over there at uh, Fresh Vision, and uh, he's been with Angel and, and their church for a number of years now, and he's just a gifted teacher of the Lord, and we'll be blessed by what he's come to bring with us. And surprisingly enough, he's in the book of Psalms tonight, and so as he comes and makes his way up, you give him a welcome. It was like the headgear when I got my braces off. <laughs> it's on right, isn't it? It, it should be on it right. It should be on right. Okay. Oh, wait. It's not even on here. Let me... Hold it down twice once yeah. There you go. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, well good evening. It, it, is, um, it is a blessing to be here. Um, as, as Pastor Mike said, I, I serve with uh, Pastor Angel uh, Marukwin. I'm sure many of you in this room know, know who that is. Uh, Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel. It's in Northeast El Paso. They're on the corner of Pondo Pass and um, Gateway South. And uh, desperate times call for desperate me- desperate measures. So uh, Pastor Mike asked me to teach this evening. So um, I'm just kidding. The Lord can use anyone, right? Amen. And um, so I'm the donkey this this evening that will be used. Um, but all the glory goes to the Lord, of course. And um, I print my notes because I can't see very well. In fact, I probably shouldn't be driving after sunset. But that's okay. Um, let me set these out really quick. And just, just a quick uh, thing I want to mention here. Um, so uh, Pastor Angel and Robin and their beautiful family, if you all know who they are, it's, it's been a real blessing serving alongside with them. And um, I've learned a lot from Pastor Angel, from his family, as uh, we, we run this race together. And, and through Angel, through Robin, I got to meet... Uh, Pastor Mike and Lu- Luana, their beautiful family, um, Pastor Jim and, and Donna, um, uh, Sarah and Pastor uh, James and um, Robert and Amanda. So I, I think I know pretty much everyone here. Uh, so it, it's a real blessing um, to, to be a part of this, this church family. Uh, but anyways, this evening I'm going to be in Psalm 19. But let me mention one thing. I'm sorry, one last thing. I ask you all to just keep praying for your pastors and your leaders because there are seasons where you may not even know, but they're going through a hard time. And um, ministry is a very difficult thing. That, that's one thing that I'm becoming aware of. It can be a lonely time. It can be a season where you even question your calling. And, and we need to be careful um, that we don't allow those things to, to get in the way. Because the enemy will do anything and use anyone to do that. And we want to make sure that we're praying for the people that are leading us spiritually and in guiding us. Because, um, because we need that more so now, I believe, with the days that we're living in. Um, so just keep your leaders, your pastors in prayer uh, continuously without ceasing. All right, so this evening we will be in Psalm chapter 19. And um, I titled the message this evening, The Glory of God in Creation and um, His Word. And C.S. Lewis once said that Psalm 19 can be described in this way. It is the greatest poem in the Psalter or the book of Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And uh, right now at uh, Fresh Vision Calvary Chapel, uh, Pastor Angel is leading our church through the book of Hebrews on Sundays. And our men's group, we're going through the book of Genesis. And in our youth group, we're going through um, the book of Acts, just like, like your youth group is as well. So um, I believe that Psalm 19 brings all of those elements together, the glory of God in his creation, and also the glory of the Lord through his word that is written for us here. And I'm so grateful for King David as he penned this beautiful psalm as we're going to read it this evening. And what's interesting to me is that when King David wrote Psalm 19, the canon of scripture, it wasn't completed yet when he wrote this. And the fact that he wrote this with much reverence for the Lord and splendor and beauty regarding the Lord, it's just amazing to me and gives us the, the certainty that the Lord has inspired him to write uh, this particular psalm. And we know now that the word of God is complete and there's nothing missing, that the Lord's splendor and his glory and his beauty is, is far more glorious than King David could imagine. Um, but yet he was able to pen this, this beautiful psalm for us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up in prayer. I'll go ahead and read the psalm. And then uh, we'll look at this uh, verse to verse, or verse by verse uh, together this evening. Well, Lord, I want to thank you so much for this time, Lord. We thank you for this privilege and this opportunity 
to come here together, Lord, as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And we come here this evening, Lord, expectantly, Lord, desiring to hear from you. We pray that you fill this place, fill us, Lord, with the power and the person of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, minister to us this evening. I don't know what everyone brought in here with them. And we pray this morning, or this evening rather, that we would just lay all those things at your feet. Help us to take your word in, that it would shape us, it would mold us, it would change us. Help us to leave different, Lord, from how we came in here this evening. We thank you so much for your love and your compassion and for your son, Jesus, Lord. We ask all these things, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Psalm 19. So here David writes, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. There are more, they are more desirable, rather, than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward who perceives his unintentional sins. Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not, do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed. From blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, the first thing we're going to see here in this psalm is God's glory being described to us in the heavens and in creation. And this will be the first six verses. And I'll look at the first four verses again here. And then we'll talk a little bit about these verses. So as, as we just read, in verse 1, through the first part of verse 4, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. And these verses, for me personally, are very beautiful and inspiring, and not just because of the beauty that's here, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. And secondly, as a classically trained atmospheric scientist. So I'm actually an atmospheric scientist before the Lord changed my life. Um, and, and some of you don't know this, but actually I have a PhD in atmospheric science. My route was to be a research scientist, and then the Lord changed all that for me. I'll talk a little bit about that in just a little bit here. But reading these verses is just, it's a beautiful thing for me. But notice here that David is speaking of the glory of God in the heavens and his handiwork, or the expanse. Some of you might, it might say handiwork in some of your translations here. But the first thing I want to talk about is that term heaven here. And when you think about the heavens, in the word of God, we have clues that point to the existence of three heavens. Now, before you, you run out of the room, let me explain that um, through scripture. Okay, So the term third heaven is presented and described for us, for example, by the Apostle Paul. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. 
And if you remember there, Paul, he was speaking of his sufficiency in the Lord, right? He had like this thorn in the flesh, and he was boasting about his sufficiency. And there, Paul declares in verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, boasting is necessary, it is not profitable, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. So this place, the third heaven, being described here by the Apostle Paul, think of it as the place where the Lord is right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, the place where all of our loved ones who have passed before us are. Remember that the, in 2 Corinthians, it, it tells us that to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. So this place, once again, we can't experience right now in these physical bodies, but it's a place that we are desiring to experience and to be with the Lord face to face. And if you look in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, here it speaks of this uh, further. It says, For this kind of high priest we need, speaking of Jesus Christ, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. And there it's speaking of his glory is above all heavens, um, where he currently is, right? He's in the third heaven, the heaven of heavens. So once again, this is a place where we, we're not there right now, right? This is a place we desire to be. This is the third heaven, the heaven of heavens. And some scholars, if you, if you, this is kind of a side note, but some scholars suggest that Paul was actually talking about himself. And it was a time when, if you remember when he was stoned in Lystra, um, that he maybe had this out-of-body experience. I don't know. Only the Lord knows. And in fact, he even, he even says this, you know, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. So Paul you know, whether it was him or it wasn't him, what he's describing here is the third heaven. And because of this, we can conclude that there's a first heaven and also a second heaven. So if you look at Psalm 104, verse 12, there, I believe what is being spoken of is what we call the first heaven. So there, it speaks of the birds of the heaven or sky, depending on your translation. And we know from experience, um, if you go outside right now and there's some birds flying, the, the birds fly, they're, they're very close to the land, right? They're not flying like in space or in the heaven of heavens. They're in the atmosphere, right? And therefore, the atmosphere, that thin layer of fluid that surrounds the entire planet, that protects us from the radiation from the sun, where all the weather is, that you can think of as the first heaven, the atmosphere surrounding the entire planet. And the second heaven, therefore, um, is where we find, as Isaiah chapter 13, verse 10 puts it, the stars of heaven and their constellations. So when you think about the second heaven, you can think about the, where the stars live, where the moon lives, where the planets are. So you have the first heaven, the atmosphere surrounding the planet. The second heaven, you have space, outer space, where the planets and the stars live. And then you have the third heaven, where the Lord is, where our loved ones are that have gone before us, the place we desire to be every single day. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that term heavens, and, and hopefully that makes a little bit more, um, a little bit more sense but the thing is here, what, what heaven is he talking about here? What is Psalm 19 speaking of? Well, notice here in verse, verse 1, it says, And the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Right, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. So notice here that David uses the word expanse. Okay, And, and I want you to think about that word. Um, where have we heard this word before? Well, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, at our church back home, um, we're currently going through the book of Genesis in the men's group. 
And that word expanse there is the same Hebrew word that is used in the book of Genesis chapter 1. If you look there in verse 6 through 8, it says, Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, evening came, and then morning. And of course, they're speaking of the second day of creation. Of course, on the first day, he had created um, a light. So the expanse here is referring to the water of the land being separated by the water in the atmosphere, the water vapor in the atmosphere. And of course, in that time, the atmosphere was very different from the one we have now. Um, it was this water vapor canopy that surrounded the planet. Many scholars believe or suggest that. Um, but here, once again, David is describing, think of this, God's glory as seen with the blue sky, the clouds, the constellations, the stars, and the planets. So think of like the first and the second heaven. And I want you to think about this for a moment. And maybe you do this occasionally. You, you go out to the middle of the desert. You, you get away from the city. You get away from all the, the light pollution. And you stare into the sky. And you see the stars, like the numerous stars that are in the sky and, and the moon. And, and maybe you can see the planets far away, right? I think it was two years ago where we had that conjunction between, I think it was Venus and Saturn, and it made the Christmas star um, right around December 20, 24th or 25th, uh, two years ago. Um, or or this, this afternoon, for example, when we had that, that thunderstorm that came through, you, know, you, you see those beautiful cumulonimbus clouds, right, building in the distance. When you see those things, what do you think of? Do you think of the glory of the Lord? Do you think of his handiwork and his, his majesty? Those are the things we should be thinking of when we see what he's created. And it's a beautiful thing. And it should declare his handiwork. And then notice here in the second verse, actually close my Bible here, here we go. I don't have the tab, so <laughs> when it closes, I'm like, oh no. All right. So verse two says, um, day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There's no speech, there are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth. Um, and their words to the ends of the world. All right, so here, um, as you notice here, he's speaking of the night sky and the day sky, okay? And the night sky and the day sky, they speak and they reveal the wisdom and the knowledge and the majesty, the creativity, if you want to call it that, and the greatness of God. And the glory of God, obviously, when you think about the sky, it's visible to everybody, right? Unless you live in the ground. But the sky is visible to everyone. Like, it covers the entire planet. It doesn't matter what continent you live on. It doesn't matter what language you speak or, like, your political affiliation. Like, you can't get away from that. It surrounds everyone and everything. And the sky, um, you know, it says here that it, it speaks, right? It speaks out. It communicates knowledge. Um, it, they pour out speech. Like, it doesn't, the sky doesn't really talk to us, right? It doesn't say words to us or anything like that but it does communicate the, the, the reverence and the majesty and the beauty of, um, of the Lord here. And in fact, I love what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. He says here, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And I love that. We have no excuse. The Lord surrounds us. And that's just the sky, right? There's more. There's more to the Lord than, this, than just that. But we have no excuse. And I love this verse because this verse really resonates with me personally. Um, several years ago, I was working as a research scientist in Colorado. And the more I studied creation the more I was in awe of the Creator. I went from worshiping the creation to worshiping the Creator. He changed my life from a doctor of philosophy PhD to a praying heaven down PhD. So all of you in this room are PhDs. We're all praying heaven down together. So glory to God for that. And I'm so grateful for him. 
for doing this for me. Because he's so good. I think it was um, a microbiologist or an immunologist that once said, your first sip of natural sciences turns you into an atheist, but God is always waiting for you at the bottom of the glass. And it's so true. He's there waiting for you. You, you, you learn so much about his creation. You just want to desire and learn more about who this creator is, and it's the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Um, notice here in the second part of verse 4, it says, In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to their other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. So now, David's talking about the sun, right? This other created entity that lives in the heavens. And um, when you think about the sun, notice here that he's comparing it to a bridegroom, right? And also to an athlete, right? Running, running their course or running their race. And when you think about the sun, and I don't know if you've taken some time to look at the sun. I don't know if you all are early risers or not, but when you see the sun rising in the east and setting in the west, there's this, you know, this trajectory that it takes, right? There's this parabolic shape that it makes in the sky from east to west, and it's this circuit, it's this course that the sun takes, just like an athlete and just like a bridegroom. And I know here in El Paso, it's really all about perspective, right? We have this huge piece of, you know, granite that cuts the city in half. We have, we have the Franklin Mountains. So if you're on the east side of the mountains, right, you see the sun rising from the horizon on the east or in the east, and then you see it setting behind the Franklin Mountains. And if you live on the western side of town, you see the rise from behind the mountains, and then it sets there um, in southern New Mexico. So it's this beautiful, this beautiful circuit that the, this, this path takes that the Lord has created. And um, what's really cool here is it says here, that nothing is hidden from its heat. And, you know, Pastor, Pastor Mike said a little bit earlier that, you know, it's, it's either hot or it's hotter or it's humid. I think that's what she said. <laughs> so, um, and we know what that's like here in, in the Chihuahuan Desert, right? That it, it's, it's very hot. We, nothing is hidden from its heat. And, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit, and, and it's so true because when you think about even in the ground in de with depth, the heat that is coming from the sun, the energy, that radiation, as it hits the ground, that energy is making its way into the ground. And, and that's why, for example, like they tell you it's a good time to plant in the fall because the ground is warm and the air is cooler, so like, the plants don't need so much water, but the ground is still warm. So absolutely nothing is hidden from the heat. And in the same sense, absolutely nothing is hidden from the Lord. And in the, in the book of Hebrews, the author there shares with us, um, I forget where that verse is, where he says, like, nothing, absolutely nothing is hidden from the Lord. Like, everything will be exposed. Um, so that's, that's a, beautiful, a beautiful kind of a relationship or, or some symbolism there regarding the sun. Um, nothing is hidden from the sun. It's beauty and it's heat and it's majesty. It's amazing. We, we serve an amazing Lord who's created everything and I don't know, I'm just like in awe. Like, I'm excited when I talk about these things. Um, I'm a little goofy, but it's all right. <laughs> it's for the Lord's sake. Um, all right, so notice in the next section, so we're going to jump into the next section now. Uh, we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time in this next section. Um, David changes or he shifts the focus from the glory of the Lord in his creation to the glory of the Lord in his word. And if you look in verse 7, 8, and 9, there it's going to talk about the glory of the Lord, the glory of God through his word, but it's going to focus on the character of God's word. So beginning in verse 7, it says, um, oops, it says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. 
The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether uh, righteous. So once again, we see this transition from praising the Lord in creation to praising the Lord um, through his word. And this book that we're holding here, the word of God, there's no error in this book. There's nothing missing from this book. It's also the number one selling book in the world. I don't, I don't know if you knew that. Somebody should tell Oprah. But anyways, this is the number one selling book in the world. Um, so there's, it's amazing. There's nothing missing. It, it's perfect. And unfortunately, we live in times where people want to change it because the times are changing. But we need to change to the word of God, not change the word to the change, change of time. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture, not some, but all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. We know, too, that the word of God will never pass away. Matthew 24, 35 tells us, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Psalm 119.89 says, Lord, your word is forever. It is fixed firmly in heaven. And I love that. His word will never change. It'll never go away. Another thing that we know and can confide in when it comes to the word of God is that God's word is inexhaustible. Inexhaustible, right? It doesn't matter if you've read the word of God over and over again. Every time you read it, he has something new for you. His word will never be exhaustible. And it doesn't matter, like if you're going through a difficult time in your life, let's say your, your marriage, you're struggling in your marriage, maybe you're struggling financially, maybe you need a healing physically for your body. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life, or maybe you're, you're, you're at a high point in your life where things are going well. The Lord will always have something for you in his word. Because he's so good. He loves us. He will always have something for us. And just like the Lord, because we know that the Lord, God, is the word. John 1.1 tells us this, right? We know from the book of Hebrews that because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever as well. And as believers, we know that his word has a renewing power, doesn't it? And not only does God's word restore and give us strength and hope, it's not just an anchor, but when we first believed, his word, and also the power in the person of the Holy Spirit, it renewed us. It made us completely new. It made us a different person. And he's still doing that right now, right? This is a process. We're not perfected. We're all still a mess, right? Um, but the good thing is, the hope that we have is, there's still the best is yet to come in Christ Jesus, and that's what we hold on to. But the beautiful thing about the Lord is when we allow his word and we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, he can come into our hearts and he can clean the filth out of our hearts and change our minds, change our ways of living, and suddenly our desires, suddenly our hopes, suddenly our motives, they become so irrelevant, and suddenly his motives, his desires, they become the very center of our life and our existence. And God is so good. He did it for me, and I know he's done it for many of you in this room. And I love him so much for that. And I know he still has so much more work to do with, with Isaac, um, but I trust him in the process because there's no one else. There's nothing else. So now my life has purpose. My life has direction. And I don't have to worry about any of that because the Lord has that for me already. I just have to trust him. It's easier said than done. But, you know, we, we know what to do, right? We just, we just have to do it. And the good thing is when we mess up, the Lord is always there. And when he does have to chasten us and discipline us, it's a good thing. Because if he didn't love us, he didn't care. He wouldn't do that. And that's something that we have to remember if our earthly fathers disciplined us and chastened us, and I know my dad had to correct me a lot, um, how much more so our heavenly father who loves us more than our earthly fathers could possibly love us? Now, this renewing power 
that we see through God's word, it's available to everyone. Romans 10.13 tells us, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And well, how do we receive this? How do we receive this salvation? Well, we know that we have to put our faith in that gospel message, right? Number one, that Jesus died for our sins. Number two, that Jesus was buried. And number three, that Jesus rose from the dead three days later. You declare that wholeheartedly. You recognize you're a sinner. There's an element of repentance in your life that the Word of God tells us in John 3, 3, makes us born again. And it also makes us righteous in the sight of God. Romans 3.22 speaks of this. Renewing our lives from death to life because we know as believers that the wages of sin is, is death. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Um, the old has passed away and see the new has come. And I can confidently say that in Christ Jesus, the best is still yet to come. And, and that's the hope that I have and that we all have. And that's the hope that we need to give to everyone else who doesn't have that hope. And, and that's our, our great commission, right? It's not the great suggestion, but the great commission. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Because right now, guys, the harvest field is plenty, but the harvesters are few. And that's where we have to come in and let the Lord do the work. All right, so it also says here that the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Okay, so the word of God, we know it can be trusted because it was inspired by God. He wrote it through these individuals. And it also makes the inexperienced wise is what it says here. And I think some translations might say making wise the simple. And this reminds me of what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, verses 26 through 31. There it says, Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So for all of us in Christ Jesus, we've been made simple in Christ, but every time we get into the word of God, we're becoming wiser. And that's only possible when we apply that word to our lives and we practice it, because the more we do that, the more we look like Jesus Christ, the only living example we have of God, of God the Father. Well, we won't look like him on this side of heaven, but we should desire to look like him on this side of heaven. And even though to the world we're unwise, um, we are very wise in the sight of the Lord, and that's what we have to remember. And because of this, we need to be responsible to get into the word of God. And one thing I learned early on in my walk is you cannot depend on just your pastor and your leader to feed you the word of God on Sundays and on Wednesdays or Thursdays or whenever you have study. Because if you don't eat physically, what happens to you? You die, right? And in our case, we're fighting this spiritual battle. So you're either going to feed the flesh or you're going to feed the spirit. And our heart every day should be to feed the spirit by getting into the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will teach us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Don't ever depend on a man or a woman, for, for you women that have your women's studies, to lead you in your walk. I mean, allow them to lead you, but don't let them be responsible for your walk. You have to take that responsibility and, and read the word, get into the word. I always, I always tell the young people that at our church, you know, just because your parents or your dad's the pastor doesn't mean you're automatically saved, right? Um, you have to take that responsibility to invite the Lord into your life, and you have to get into the Word of God. Right? We have to be careful with that and, and be aware of that. 
Uh, notice here that David also says that the precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. And when we know the word of God and the God of the word, because God is the word, John 1.1 tells us this, we can find joy in his truth and in our relationship uh, with the Lord. Uh, because he is revealed to us through his word, isn't he? And every single day that we get into his word, he becomes more and more clear to us. And I was thinking about this because earlier in the week, actually, I rode on a school bus on, on Monday. Um, I hadn't been on a school bus in a long time. But I don't know if you all remember on, on, the, like, on the school bus how the windows are they're like filthy, right? They're like full of like oil and like popped pimples and like makeup and everything. It's disgusting. So I'm sorry. When I think about, I was thinking about this. I don't know why, but, but every time I get into God's word, it's like wiping that window and wiping it and wiping it. And you're seeing him more clearly on the other side. And then eventually, when we finally see him face to face, there's no window anymore, right? There's no barriers between us and the Lord. And that's why every single day as we get into the word, he becomes more clear to us. And that really, the question becomes, how are we supposed to look like God if we don't know what he looks like, right? It, well, it's here in the word. The person we hang out the most with is the person we're going to become the most like. So we want to hang out with Jesus, right? We want to hang out with the Lord um, in his word. So that knowledge, right, when we apply it, it shapes us and it molds us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And then notice here, it also says, the command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. So the Lord's word is radiant. And when you think about that word radiant, you know, going back to the sun, it's, it radiates, right? Like it's bright, it's, it's radiating all this energy. That's how the word of God is. It radiates, it brings light to the darkness. It exposes those things in our life that need to be exposed. And that's why our faith should be solely in the word of God. And yes, the Holy Spirit can manifest different gifts, which I believe are still occurring today. He can heal people. He can perform miracles. But your faith should not be solely based on those things. Because let's say I'm sick and the Lord heals me. I will eventually die physically. So you can't put your faith in just that healing. It has to be in the word of God, which is never going to pass away. Now, those miracles can supplement or be auxiliary to our faith, but they can't be the center of our faith. It has to be the word of God. Now, notice here that David closes this section. He says, the ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. And we know that this is certainly um, true, right? God's word will never let us down like man's words do. And that's why it's important that when we minister to one another, that we point people to the word of God. You never want anyone to depend or to rely on you. You want them to depend and rely on the word of God. If you rely on me or depend on me, I'm going to ruin your life. So you've got to make sure that you focus on the word of God, right? When we minister, we encourage one another, point people to the word of God, because that's where the solution is, right? That's where the hope is. And yes, we can support one another, right? The fellowship's very important. We need that. Um, but we have to be, be careful what we do or how we do that. All right, notice in the next two verses, we're going to see the value of God's word. Verse 10 and 11, um, it says here, they are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. So just like David here, we should have a longing for the word, the word of God, the Lord's word, a desire for his word. And notice here that his word is more valuable than gold, but not just any gold, right? It says here, pure gold, right? This is gold that has no dross or any impurities. This is the pure stuff. It's more valuable than that. Nothing in our lives should rival our relationship with the Lord and our time spent with the Lord. And I think for many of us, you know, myself included, we don't make enough time to get into the Word of God and even to pray. Like, that's something I just want to do more of and I need to do more of. And what I've learned over the years is if something's important to you, you're going to make time for it. And we have to make sure that the Word of God 
our relationship with the Lord is so important to us that we make time for that. And I know for me, like, I have to do it early in the morning because then the world starts distracting me. I'm like, a, I'm like the dog that sees the squirrel, you know? So I have to get into the Word and start allowing the Lord to minister to me because when I wake up, I, wanna, I just want to do what Isaac wants to do. I want to live like Isaac wants to live, not the way the Lord wants me to. And, and every day it's a battle. It's a battle for me, and I know it might be a battle for you all as well. It's an easier said than done thing, but it's doable. We just have to choose to get into his word. Um, because the truth is, all of us in this room, we are close to God as we desire to be or choose to be. And, and that's something we have to remember. Now, I don't know how many of you all eat honey. I know, I know a lot of people are like allergic to honey, right? And peanuts and those types of things. But honey, and specifically spoken here, um, I love honey. I, I eat a lot of honey. Like Winnie the Pooh. No, it's, I love honey. But um, when you think about eating honey, it's like this sweet, savory experience. And, um, but when you think about the Word of God, it's as sweet as honey. Um, it's even sweeter than the, the sweet tea from Whataburger. Have you guys had that sweet tea? And I asked the guy the other, the, other, the other time I was there, it was like a long time ago, I was like, how do you make this tea? So apparently they heat up the water first and they super saturate the, the, the liquid with sugar. He's like, yeah, but when we cool off the tea, like the bottom of the container is disgusting. It's full of sugar. So, um, so it's, it's super saturated with sugar. So it's really sweet. I hear they don't sell that at In-N-Out. But anyways, um, it's, it's sweeter than that. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is the word of God is sweeter than anything we could ever taste. And we certainly know that when you taste and see the goodness of God, like there's no turning back, right? You keep moving forward um, in the Lord. Now, in those times, gold and honey was a very prized commodity. So here David's telling or, or writing that the word of God is more valuable than these prized commodities. And that's something we have to we have to have the same view of in our lives as we walk with the Lord now, is that his word is more valuable than anything, even a Tesla, right? Whatever is valuable nowadays. Those things catch on fire, don't they? Um, does anyone drive a Tesla? I'm sorry. Um, okay. Um, all right, so the notice here that David proceeds uh, to give us two reasons why God's word is so valuable, right? He talks about the fact that God's word will always keep us from stain or strain off the path of righteousness, right? So God's word warns us of the wealth and the distractions that can pull us off that straight and narrow path. God's word also provides us with blessings. And when we keep God's word, right, that's when the blessings proud. I like to think of it like this. Um, obedience to God's word is, where, is the spout where the blessings proud, right? That's where all the blessings come from. And I was thinking about this, and Several months ago, I, our, our youth group went through the Gospel of Luke, and I remember this, this portion of, of, of the, the Gospel. Um, if you remember in chapter 11, you know, Jesus was in the middle of his earthly ministry. He was on fire for the Lord. He was preaching. He was healing people. Uh, he was making people mad. He had a lot of followers. And um, I remember telling the, the young people, you could imagine what that looked like on like, social media, right? Like his tuck talk and all of that kind of thing. But um, as you could imagine... There was all this, all this going on. And if you remember in Luke 11, there in verse 27, it says there that a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, speaking of Jesus, she says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. But then Jesus tells her, he says, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So that's where the blessings are. It's not enough just to hear the word of God but we have to live the word of God. We have to be doers of the word of God, as the epistle of James tells us. And then notice here as we move into verse 12, that God's word gives us a desire for inward cleansing. So if you look in verse 12, it says, who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. And then in verse 13, it says, moreover, keep your servant from willful sins, do not let them rule me, then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. So notice here in, um, in verse 12, what we see here is that when you think about the Lord, the fact that he's holy, the fact that he is perfect, you know, God's word, as we read it, we realize things in our life that are hidden, right? 
those sins that maybe we're unaware of that were not done intentionally, those things begin to be exposed. And this gives us an opportunity to ask the Lord to forgive us of those sins and to help us with those sins that maybe we're struggling with that we don't even know are in our lives. But God is so good because if you look in 1 John 1 verse 9, and I know a lot of people refer to this verse as the Christian bar of soap, but there it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I know for me, this is something I have to do daily because every day when we step out into the world, we get dirty, right? We will fall short of God's glory every single day. None of us are going to be perfect. Romans 3.23 speaks of this. And his word exposes those shortcomings in our lives. And he's able and willing, right, to forgive us as we come boldly to the throne of the Lord's grace. He's so good. And does this mean we're going to be sinless? Well, we're not, right? Not on this side of heaven. But as believers, we should desire to sin less. We're not going to be sinless, but we should desire to sin less. Uh, verse 13, uh, it says, More, Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. And I love this because not only should we, should we be asking the Lord to forgive us of the sins that maybe are unknown or hidden, but we should also be asking the Lord to keep us from those sins that used to overtake us. And I know in my life, the things I used to struggle with, they're always knocking on the door. Like they're always there. And I have to ask the Lord to help me with those sins as well. Because when you give the enemy an inch, like he takes a foot and we have to be careful and sometimes we even justify it. We're like, oh, well, you know, I've been serving. I've been doing some great things for the Lord. This is okay. No one knows. It's all right. And then eventually it overtakes you again, and we have to be very careful. And I'm not a very smart guy, and I got to be careful with that. And that's why every single day I got to ask the Lord to help me with that. And he's there. He's willing. He's available. Now, like I said, this is an easier said than done thing. But not only... Do you have the Lord in your life, but you have brothers and sisters in Christ. That fellowship is very important. You can't do this by yourselves. We need each other. We need our brothers. We need our sisters uh, to run this race together. All right, so if you notice here as we move into that last verse, this is actually a very beautiful verse as well. Well, they're all beautiful, but this is, this is cool because here we see this prayer of surrender and purity. And when I read verse 14, I, I thought it was very reminiscent of Psalm 51. If you remember there in Psalm 51, um, David is confronted by the prophet Nathan because of his adulterous acts with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah to cover all that up. And he's completely broken, right? He has this broken and contrite heart, and he's crying out to the Lord. And here he says in verse 14, he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So once again, what we see here is David's final plea. He asks the Lord that his speech, his way of thinking, his way of reflecting, that it honors the Lord. And in our lives, the only way that's possible is if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but also filled with the word of God, because the word of God is what's going to allow us to live in this way in addition to the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's going to guide us and lead us. But just like a sacrifice, as David's saying here, um, before the Lord, it, it kind of reminds me of Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, there it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And then lastly, notice he calls the Lord his rock, and he calls the Lord his redeemer. And just like David, we recognize the fact that we need a redeemer and we need the Lord, right? He's our rock. He's our strength as well because God is so good. And I love the Lord for that. I know you all do as well. So in closing this evening, there are two main things we looked at. The, the first thing we talked about was the glory of God as presented in creation. And then we also talked about the glory of God as presented um, in his word. And through this, David has presented to us here the fact that we serve a God, a God of glorious creation 
and revelation, but also a glorious God of personal relationship and redemption. You know, Pastor Chuck once said that wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. And with everything that we have learned this evening and everything that you've learned in the Word of God and through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, um, I believe that everything from this particular psalm boils down to two verses. Number one, and I'll close with this, Psalm 119, 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. Romans 1.20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So let us continue seeking the Lord through his creation and through his word. Amen. Amen. So I don't know everyone in this room this evening. I don't know if you all have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I do want to give you that opportunity this morning. And we're live streaming, right? I believe. Um, If you're watching via the live stream and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, we certainly want to give you that opportunity uh, this evening. Maybe you're tired of what this world has to offer. Maybe that void is not being filled because that void can only be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to give you that chance and that opportunity this evening. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll close our eyes, we'll bow our heads. And if that's you this evening, if you could just repeat this prayer uh, with me. Well, Lord God, we thank you for this evening, Lord. And this evening, I'm just tired of chasing what this world has to offer, Lord. And I want to declare your son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe Jesus was buried, and I believe that Jesus rose from the dead three days later. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Please forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. Amen. If you prayed that with all your heart this evening, we want to welcome you to the family of Christ. I can assure you that there's a celebration going on in heaven on your behalf. And um, if if you want more information about maybe your next steps, uh, you can contact the church here at Calvary Chapel Redeeming Grace. If you need a Bible, anything like that, uh, you can reach out to the church and they will give you uh, more information on that. Amen. So why don't we close again in prayer and then... um, I'll give, I'll give you your pulpit back. <laughs> All right. Well, Lord, we thank you so much for this evening, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of just coming here and just getting together and studying your word, Lord. We thank you so much for the glory that we see, Lord, through your creation and, and through your word, Lord. And just the privilege of being considered children of the Most High. It's so humbling. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to guide us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Get us, Lord, to the rest of this week. Help us to be a light. Help us to be an example, Lord. Give us a burden for people. And I pray that you just continue to be the foundation of this church. I thank you so much for this beautiful church family, Lord God, that is here just desiring to run after you and to serve you. Lord, be their their rock, be their foundation, Lord God, and continue to guide and lead. We thank you for this time once again. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.